Well, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 this morning. And uh, we are going to look at the Christmas story that most of you, if not all of you, probably have heard at least once, uh, probably multiple times, and look at this great story together in Luke chapter 2. I've entitled the message this morning, Chaos or Christmas. Chaos or Christmas. And I wonder what would be true of you as you face this coming week Would your heart and mind be filled with thoughts of chaos or true thoughts of Christmas, of Christ with us, uh, Christ coming to us? You know, as you think about Christmas, a lot of people, uh, when they think about Christmas, they get kind of nervous because they think about all kinds of chaotic things, of visiting relatives in Uh, making time between different families, of wrapping gifts and getting all the shopping done, of baking all of the cookies and making all of the food and traveling to all the different locations. And many times um, when Christmas Day actually comes or Christmas morning actually comes, there's just a sigh of relief that it's here and finally everything is done and it's over with. Um, Too often what fills our hearts and our minds is Christmas comes is this thought of chaos. Uh, But truthfully, Christmas should be a time for the believer in Christ, independent of all of the traditions of gifts and cookies and family and friends and parties and everything else that comes along with it. It truly should be a time for the believer in Christ that we celebrate Jesus and that we celebrate the coming of God's Son and all that that holds with it. And so as we read this story today in Luke chapter 2, I I want you to try to do something that is very hard to do, is to read it again as though you're reading it for the first time, as though you're listening to it for the first time. And what I believe we're going to see as we read this story is just some remarkable truths, some remarkable things. And one of the things I think that's very difficult sometimes for us to do is to understand And try to process that when we read this story, we're reading a story that includes real people, real human beings, uh, real people. When we think about Joseph and Mary, uh, a real baby, when we think about Christ being born, real shepherds that were out in the fields watching over their flocks by night. We read about real people, real individuals that had real life scenarios that they were dealing with, real anxieties and worries and cares, real fears, real doubts, all of that because they're human beings that faced life just as you and I face life and and had thoughts that went through their head just like you and I have thoughts that go through our heads. And, And so often we can be so quick in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainties, in the midst of things that we wouldn't have planned for to remove our attention and focus off of the one who sustains us. And so this morning, I I want us to focus in on the true reason and meaning of Christmas and all that that brings in the reality of our sovereign God's control at Christmas. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 1. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. It's a pretty remarkable story, an incredible story. Remarkable account of the coming of our Savior Jesus. And I want to look at this scene that's before us, and I want to just kind of break down this scene into several different parts as we look at what's before us. And then what I would like to do is I'd like from that uh, to bring out some very important truths I believe that we need to know about our God that we see played out in the Christmas story, and then really give us some challenges this morning of how we can respond today. First, I want us to see the decree that went out. I want us to understand what's going on here in verses 1 through 3. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is speaking of the Roman world. Uh, Caesar Augustus, a ruler, would uh, put out this decree to all the Roman world that they should be registered. It was a registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, he says, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. One commentator makes note of this, saying that this decree that would have went out, this registration that would have been required, would have been a distasteful symbol of Roman oppression to the Jews. Uh, This is what would be considered on the part of the Jews government overreach that was happening during this point in time. There was a decree that went out that all had to be registered, so Joseph had to be registered, and he had to go to Bethlehem to do this. And so for the Jews, this was a hardship. This was not an easy thing. This was not something they wanted to do. Uh, most would recognize that when these kind of registrations would take place, it was normally for a couple of reasons. It was for reasons of military service to be registered, so they had records of young men who would serve in the, the military, or it was because they wanted to take note of property and value for tax purposes so that they would have all that information so that they would know who and what and how much to tax. But this decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and that was the decree that they would have to follow. All of the Roman world would have to follow this decree. So next we would see the journey that's going to take place in verses 4 and 5. tells us that Joseph went up. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was at the house and lineage of David. And he went with Mary, his betrothed, his wife that he would go with to make this journey. 
This was a 70-mile, more than 70-mile journey that they would take to go from their location to Bethlehem. 70 miles of really mountainous terrain, of treacherous terrain, where no doubt there would have been a lot of thoughts that would have been going through Joseph's head and Mary's head as we would look at that journey, and we will in just a moment. But that's the journey that would have to be taken for them in order to register in response to this decree that went out from Caesar Augustus. Verses 6 and 7, we see the birth. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The birth would happen and take place in Bethlehem, and it would be announced. We would find an announcement that would follow this in verses 8 through 14. It's the angel that would come to shepherds who were in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. You've heard that before, and they would announce, be announced to that there was a birth that took place, that the one that was born in the city of David is the Savior, Christ the Lord. The announcement would take place, and the angel would let them know, this is the sign that you're going to see. You're going to go to Bethlehem, and you're going to find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and that is the one that you will see is Savior of the world. Uh, quite an announcement that would be made. And then in verses 15 to 16, we will see the manger scene. When the angels went away, the shepherds would listen to the words of the angels. They would go to Bethlehem, and they would find, just as they were announced, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just as they had been announced that they would find. That's the scene that they would come upon. Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus in a manger. They would find them there. The response that the shepherds would then give in verses 17 to 20 is they would make known all that was told to them. They would make known all that was told to them, and Joseph and Mary would hear this, others would hear this, and they would leave glorifying and praising God for all of the amazing things that they had seen, all of the amazing things that they had heard, all that they would take in that night. They would glorify and praise God for these things. That's our our text. That's our scene that we have unfolding before us in Luke chapter 2. Now again, I want to just take a moment to remind us that all that we're reading about in Luke chapter 2 with Mary and Joseph, with baby Jesus, with the shepherds that were out in their fields, these are real people who lived at a real point in time in history, who had real flaws and imperfections, who were just like you and I, imperfect people that were part of God's plan that God was using in this story in the coming of his son, Jesus. Again, sometimes we can remove ourselves from biblical characters and individuals and thinking that they were almost supernatural, right? We can remove ourselves from biblical characters and think, well, they never dealt with issues of doubt or sin or pride or arrogance or fears. That's just not true, For these human beings, real people that lived in real points in time in history, and I can't help but think as I look at this scene, what came to my mind as I examine this scene and think of all the things that were going on in this scene is that there was plenty of opportunity for people involved in this scene to either think of it as a scene of chaos or truly to see what was going on at Christmas. I want to look at this together and I want to make a few points this morning. I believe, I believe that as we look at the decree that went out from Caesar Augustus, there was great opportunity for Mary and Joseph to feel as though there was great chaos in their lives at that point in time. 
Consider this for a moment. If it wasn't enough to try to make an announcement of this pregnancy and explain that, Mary and Joseph engaged to be married. Mary is pregnant. At this point in time, very pregnant. Making the announcement to aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, grandparents. Joseph and I are are to be married, and that's going to continue to be the case. And Joseph telling his family, I'm going to marry Mary, and that's going to marry Mary. I'm going to marry her, and that's going to continue to take place. That's going to happen. She's pregnant. The baby's not mine. The baby is God's. That, my friends, would be a difficult announcement to make. These are real people. These are real people with real emotions and real relationships, real family, real friends, real lives that would be explaining and making this declaration that the one that is conceived within Mary is conceived of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine what that would be like. I can't imagine the thoughts that would go through my head if I were Joseph. I can't imagine the thoughts that would go through Mary's head and all that would come with that. And then in the midst of all of that, here comes a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world needs to be registered. And so Mary and Joseph, Mary who is great with child to be delivered at any moment, have to set out on a 70-mile journey through mountainous terrain to go to Bethlehem. I think it brings up an important point. Number one, in the midst of what seems like great chaos, God always has a perfect plan. In the midst of what seems like great chaos, God has a perfect plan. Uh, Those of you that have children, when you've had your first child, and anytime you have a child, you prepare for that child to come. I remember when we had Ella, uh, and Shoshana was due to give birth to Ella, we had a nursery prepared for her. We had a crib that we bought, and we had decor for her room, and we took pictures of that and showed people this was her nursery. This is where she would be. This was her room, because we were preparing for her to come into this world. I don't know what it was that Mary and Joseph had planned for their baby when Jesus would be born. But I can guarantee you it was not a stable. It was not a manger. I don't know what those final days where Mary would be waiting to give birth to Jesus would have been planned by them to look like, but I guarantee you it was not a 70-mile journey through mountainous terrain. And here we are with real people with real emotions, with real fears, anxieties, and worries. And they're told, you have to go make a 70-mile journey to Bethlehem. In the midst of what seems like great chaos, God has a perfect plan. You see, it was not chaotic that Mary and Joseph, in the eyes of God, had to go to Bethlehem. They must go to Bethlehem. Because Micah the prophet would tell us in Micah 5 too, but you, O Bethlehem, 
Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. See, God had already told through the prophet Micah that it was Bethlehem. Bethlehem would be the place that the Savior would be born. Bethlehem was the place that Jesus would be born. And so what might seem like chaos in the eyes of Mary and Joseph, what might seem like chaos in the eyes of the Jewish world, that everybody needed to go be registered, that everybody needed to make this journey, what might seem like chaos was all part of God's perfectly orchestrated plan. How many times have we found ourselves crying out to God or saying maybe even to God, God, this is not what I had planned for my life, for my relationships, for my career, for my job. God, this isn't the plan. And so often what seems like such chaotic Events in a chaotic setting, we have to step back and be reminded again that what seems like chaos, God has in the midst of that a perfect plan. And I believe Christmas and the story of Christmas shows us that. Taxes, government overreach in orders, a 70-mile journey with a very pregnant woman who happens to be pregnant with the Son of God... Bethlehem, all part of the perfect plan of God. And we can miss that. We can miss that, can't we? We can miss in the midst of chaos the complete plan that God has. Brings me to a second point. In the midst of what seems like great chaos, God is continually in control. Would you consider that with me for a minute? In the midst of what seems like great chaos, God is completely in control. We can miss this. Listen, I was trying to put myself in the position of Joseph for a moment. I can't imagine what was going through his head in making this journey. I have no idea what would have been going through Joseph's head. But as a husband and father, as someone who cares for my wife and my children... What's of utmost value to me is their well-being, is their safety, is care for them, is to make sure that they're provided for and cared for, that they're going to be okay. And here Joseph is as the one that is responsible for Mary and this child within Mary's womb, who no doubt would have been concerned for their well-being and safety along the road, Mary's health and well-being, the health and well-being of the child within her, making this 70-mile-plus journey as she was pregnant and great with child. If that wasn't enough, when they arrive in Bethlehem and they finally get there, there is no room for them in the inn. There's nowhere to stay. Now, it seems pretty clear that Joseph and Mary, they were not of great wealth. They were not in positions of great honor in the eyes of people. They did not have great influence. They didn't have, it sounds like, family or friends that were well-to-do, that would care for them when they were in Bethlehem. They didn't really have anything with them. And they arrive in Bethlehem after this 70-plus mile journey and all that would come with that, Mary ready to give birth at any moment. 
and they're told there's nowhere for you to stay. There's nowhere for her to even give birth. But what would most likely be a stable, something outside where the animals were because Jesus would be placed in a manger, a feeding trough, but not in the inn. You want to talk about what would seem like great chaos, and yet God would be completely, continually in control. Would you think of this for a moment? If there was room in the inn, then really where would the shepherds go to see this baby that was born? If there was room for the inn, what would the announcement of the angels be to the shepherds that were abiding in the fields, watching over their flocks by night? Where would the shepherds go to witness the birth of Jesus? What would the announcement be from the angel to the shepherds? If there was room in the inn, there really would be no manger. There would not be that scene. Jesus would not be born in the humblest of ways but in a more common way. Not in the humblest of circumstances and means, but in the more common way. There was no room in the inn because God had precisely arranged a manger for Jesus to be born in. And so often when our plans don't work out the way we expect them to, we think that God doesn't know or God doesn't see or God doesn't care. But we have to come to grips with the reality that our plans are not always God's plans. And God knows better than we do. He is continually, always in control. Number three, in the midst of what seems like great chaos, God can bring the greatest of peace. Many of you have experienced this. You know firsthand what that is. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have lost a loved one or in the midst of great turmoil in, in, in physical health or in the loss of a loved one or in great chaotic, what would seem like to the world, great chaos surrounding him. And they say, I can't explain it, but God has given me peace in the midst of this great chaos. And I believe it's so prevalent and clear all throughout this Christmas story that in the midst of what seems like great chaos, God brings the greatest of peace. I want to take a look just for a moment about the shepherds. Passage tells us that in the same region, verse 8, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. I, I can't even begin to describe what that scene would look like because it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. The brightness of the glory of God, the, the scene that would be there, we can't do that scene justice. But the shepherds are out minding their own business, tending their flocks all by themselves, doing their thing. It's a normal, peaceful night for them. And out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord comes and the glory of the Lord shows around them. And the passage says, which is probably understated, they were filled with great fear. <laughs> they, they didn't know what to think or what was going on here. They were filled with fear. And what is the first words that the angel says to them? First two words is this, fear not. Fear not. Amazing how our God is able to bring such great peace and calm even in the midst of what would seem like great chaos. Fear not for 
Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can I just share with you that that announcement, that announcement, that there is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. At this point in time in all of creation and all of human history, that announcement right there was the most important announcement in my opinion that had ever been made to this point in time. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I believe the only other announcement in my opinion that Scripture gives that I think, man, that is a great announcement is he is not here. He is risen just as he said. Those two announcements that we celebrate at Christmas and Easter are the two greatest, in my opinion, announcements that the Word of God gives that were announced by angels to those that were there listening. Unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. That's coming down the road. But what an announcement. That in the midst of what was great chaos comes an announcement of great joy and great peace. This will be a sign to you, verse 12, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Think of this for a moment. This announcement that was given, the chaos that would have been surrounding all of this scenery from everything that was going on, and yet complete order in the eyes and mind of God, complete order in the plan of God with everything that God was orchestrating and everything that was happening. Look at how the angel tells them that they're going to find this Jesus, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Not this baby that had like a halo around his head and that was superhuman and and that was in purple linens and, and had a gold chain around his neck and a crown on his head. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. In the humblest of ways, our humble servant Savior would come to this earth, humbling himself even to the point of death so that we might have life. In the midst of great chaos, God is able to bring the greatest peace. Our peace is not found in what surrounds us, but in he who is within us. Our peace must not be found in what surrounds us, but it must be found in he who is within us. Because the one that is in us does not leave us or forsake us. The one who is with us is with us always. He does not change. He will not change. And so today, even for you and I, if we feel that we are in the midst of great chaos and turmoil and fear and pain and anxiety and worry, might I encourage you today to find your peace in he who is within you and not in those things that surround you today. Because our God is able to bring the greatest peace. Number four, in the midst of what seems like great chaos, God's presence is reason enough for praise. If you have nothing else today, you have Jesus. If we have no other reason to give praise today, his very presence should bring praise. I love what 
the word of God tells us about the shepherds when they would come and find Mary and Joseph. Verse 16 says, when the shepherds came with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Here's the scene that they will come upon. Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus in the manger. No fanfare. No great crowds that were surrounding the birth of Jesus here. Just the presence of the Savior was cause for the shepherds to leave rejoicing and praising God because God had come. He was here. He was here. Again, thinking about Mary and Joseph and thinking of everything that was going on, I just absolutely love the thought that it says the shepherds came and they found them as they said they would. And it says that they shared all that they had heard and seen. They shared all that they had heard and seen. I was thinking about this for a moment. I was thinking, if I'm Mary and Joseph, and, I, and the word of the Lord came, and we knew what God's had, God had said, right? That that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. That we should call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. If I'm Mary and Joseph, and I hear the word of the Lord, I have great confidence. I have great joy. I have great excitement. I believe the word of the Lord. And Mary would even say, let it be done as the Lord has said. I am the bondservant. I'm the maid of the Lord. Let it be done. And Joseph very clearly believed the word of the Lord, because he continued on with Mary and did not divorce her. He stayed with her and was going to have responsibility for this child. But I can't help but think in, in the fact that they're human beings, that from everything that's going on, that if I'm Joseph and the Son of God has been born and I look around at my surroundings, if I'm Mary and the Son of God has been born and I look at my surroundings and there's no proper room, there's no proper bed, there's no proper accommodations, this is not what we planned I can't help but think they had to have had thoughts go through their head about is this really what God planned? And who that night comes along but shepherds. And the message that the shepherds share with Mary and Joseph is that the angel of the Lord came and the glory of the Lord shone around us. And the message that the angel proclaimed to us is that this day in the city of David, there is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the angel told us this will be the sign. We will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. The confidence the assurance, the joy, the praise for the plan and presence of God would be overwhelming, I believe, for Mary and Joseph at that point in time. In what seems like great chaos, the very presence of the Lord is reason enough for praise. And we need to understand that today. We need to embrace that today. I want us to understand this morning four very important truths concerning Jesus. 
Number one, Jesus is the promised Savior. We need to hear this today. Christ alone saves. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, God's word tells us, only Jesus. He alone is Savior. If you or I are trusting or hoping or banking on any other means for salvation than Jesus, we will be greatly disappointed because Christ alone is the promised Savior. He has come. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's it. Number two, Jesus is the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Take confidence today, believer in Christ, that the one who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Take confidence today that whatever you are going through that God has allowed in your life, however chaotic it might seem, he is the finisher of your faith. He's fully in control. He knows, he understands, and he is with you. Number three, Jesus is the prince of peace. Find rest and peace in Christ today. Because he is the Prince of Peace. And number four, be reminded this morning that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Let me give us four challenges as we go from here. Number one, I challenge you to trust in the Lord today. And no matter what's going on in your life, because his plans are perfect. Trust in the Lord because his plans are perfect. That is absolutely true. Our God's plans are perfect. We don't always see it. We don't always understand it. But we trust him because his plans are perfect. Number two, trust in the Lord because he is continuously in control. Our God is in continuous control of all things. So trust him. Trust him when our plans fail. Trust him when things happen that we don't understand. Trust him when times are hard, when the grieving is difficult, when the sorrow is great, when the pain is magnified. Trust him because he is in continuous control. Number three, trust in the Lord because he brings the greatest peace. Trust in the Lord With all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Let the peace of Christ dwell in you. Find your peace not in the surroundings around you, but in the one within you. Trust in the Lord, because he brings the greatest of peace. And finally, trust in the Lord, because his very presence invites praise. When all else fails, when everyone else fails, when things are outside of your control or my control and we have nothing else that we can do, when we just have to sit and wait, trust in the Lord, in his presence, because the very fact of his presence invites praise. 
and he is with us always. The story of Christmas is a miraculous story. It's the story of the word of God made flesh. It's the story of the eternal creator taking upon himself the form of a servant, coming and living a perfect sinless life, ultimately to die as the one-time atoning sacrifice for sin, rising again, and hopefully very soon returning. It's the story of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Chaos or Christmas? Chaos or God's perfectly orchestrated plan? Let's trust in him. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for the coming of your son, our Savior, Jesus. Father, I pray that today we would find great peace in your constant control, plan, and presence. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to share that great story of the coming of Christ, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and of the life and peace that is found in him. Might we be faithful, Lord, trusting in you because you are with us always. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.